Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Today at 3 o'clock, how many of you are Little League World Series fans? Love watching that. Today at 3 o'clock, Ohio faces Michigan. Go figure. And at three o'clock, those guys will take the field and they come from all different places. They come from all different teams and they come there and they have different uniforms and different parents and different signs. But there is something that is common to the game today at three. What is it? Yeah, you're catching on, yeah. Home plate. Home plate is gonna be there for them and they are gonna have to decide their game, how well they throw, how well they hit based on home plate. Any former little leaguers in the room? Have you played? Who can tell me how wide the plate is? 17 inches. Somebody knows immediately that it's 17 inches. But what about, I mean, we also love watching college girls fast pitch softball. That's amazing every year. We try to catch that when the tournament's on. And I don't know if we have any girls that have played that in the past. How wide is their plate? Oh, it's the same, 17 inches? Good. High school, when you get into high school, I know the players get a little bit better and, and uh, with that, but uh, what's, what's the width of the plate? 17 inches. Some of you have heard Coach John Scalonis give his uh, talk on home plate. He was a coach in college from 1948 to 1991, and he talked about the importance of the width of the plate that it didn't matter. We've got some people that have played in our church that have played professionally. They got paid to play a game. How great is that? How wide do you think it is in major leagues? 17 inches, nothing's changed. It's still the same. And there may be different teams and there may be different places and the stadiums, if you've been in different stadiums, they look different. They have different seats. They have different ways they mow the grass. They have different ways they do the outfield fence. They have different concessions and different uniforms. But something that's always the same, home plate, is 17 inches. Even if we go overseas, there are other countries that love baseball. Japan's a big baseball country. They love that. In Japan, our guys don't go over there and the Japanese go, ah, it's 35 inches here, you know? Or Atlanta doesn't come down to Tampa and play and Tampa goes, well, ours is just 10 inches because we have really good pitchers, you know? Or they, they don't change it. It's 17 inches regardless. Now, let's take that same thought Let's apply it to the church. What if we could know exactly what the parameters are that God calls us to live with? In the church, he tells us in his word, in the same way that we have rules for baseball, we have rules for living in every area of our life, whether it's relationships or money or time, or enemies, or attitudes, or actions, God tells us how wide the plate is. He tells us the parameters that we're supposed to live within. And it doesn't change by gender, or culture, or country, or translation of the Bible. It's the same. The difference between baseball and the church, baseball actually abides by the rules. They actually live within the parameters of, of the rules of baseball. 
Because we've seen and we all know there are churches that even though the Bible says this is about what the Bible says about this, they're kind of like that parent who wants their kid to feel good, so they're like, well, I know you're not a good pitcher, but we'll just make the plate wider. And so there's sometimes churches say, well, I know that's what the Bible says about this, but culture is different and people are different and we'll just expand the plate. And so before we know it, we don't have a 17-inch plate in the church anymore. In fact, sometimes we don't even have a plate. So this morning, we start a new series. We're gonna talk about elephants in the room. And you know what that means. That's the concept that some topics are huge, yeah, they're amazing, and they're right, but we don't wanna talk about them because they're uncomfortable, and what happens is we get so used to the elephant being in the room and never talking about it, pretty soon we don't even realize it's still there. And so we're gonna do that for the next couple weeks, and this morning, we're gonna talk about serving. So if the ushers would lock the doors, <laughs> turn to the person next to you and say, he's coming after us. And you that know me know that that's not my heart. I don't know where to put my home plate. There we go. You know that's not my heart to beat us up or anything, but it is my mandate as a pastor. Ephesians 4.11 says that he made some to be pastors and teachers to equip the people for acts of service. Hebrews 10 says spur one another on to those good works and those good deeds. And so this morning, I just want to encourage and to spur, and to make sure that we have an understanding, what does the Bible say about service? And so there's some things I want us to learn. First, I just wanna look at some scriptures that make this very clear, because the guidelines are not established by pastors. The preacher can never get up and say, here's what I want you to do. He needs to say, here's what the Bible says. And so I wanna give you some scriptures about serving first. John 13. Jesus uh, is in the upper room with his disciples and as Matt just said a moment ago, as they get into the room, they're arguing about who's gonna be first and who's gonna sit in what seat and, and who's gonna be the greatest and, and Jesus gets up in the midst of their arguing and he gets water in a towel and he washes their feet. And then he says, I'm sure there's this look of shock on their face. He says, do you understand what I was doing? He said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. He's saying, yeah, I'm, I'm teacher, and you call me Lord, and there is a hierarchy. Do you see how amazing it is when someone at the top of the hierarchy serves? He said, it's not about position, it's about attitude. And then he says, now that you know these things, I've given you an example to follow, do as I've done. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. As the church grew through the, through the early years, a lot of people tried to get rid of home plate. And uh, the church of Corinth was one of those. It was a mess. They don't even know. I think some of them didn't even know there had been a home plate at one time in the church, that there were guidelines. And so Paul writes the letter to Corinth, 1 Corinthians. And uh, in that letter, he's writing to them about all kinds of things. I mean, he has to tell them to quit suing each other. He tells them how to have potluck dinners at their home. He talks to them about marriage. He talks to them about the Lord's Supper. He talks to them about all worship services, all, everything there is. And then he gets to chapter 12 and he talks to them about serving. And he says, a spiritual gift is given to each of you so we can help each other. He said, there's a reason 
that Jesus said or that the apostles said, uh, when you're baptized, you receive the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of God's spirit. And that gift of the Holy Spirit living in us then provides a gift for us to use for the body of Christ, for the church. And he goes on and he gives this great analogy that all of us can understand. He said, the church is like a human body. Everybody's a part. Look at the person, no, don't look at the person next to you and tell them what part you think they are. But he said, everybody's a part. And he said, some of you may be a thumb and some may be an ear and some may be a liver and some may be a kidney. He said, the point is, whatever part you are, you need to function because if you don't, it hurts the body. And it doesn't do any good for an ear to say, I wanna be a nose or a nose to say, I wanna be a finger. He said, you gotta find your part and you've gotta do it. Because if you don't, the body is not fully healthy and not fully functioning. So every one of us finding that place to serve. Have you ever had your, uh, uh, a limb in a cast or something for a while and you're kinda like, man, it, it sounds really cool at first to get a cast like for about eight hours. And then you're like, man, this thing, I can't do anything. It's just in the way and, and you want it off and you, you realize you can't function if there's something in your body that's not doing its job. And it's the same for the church. Paul says, listen, you're part of the church. You wanna wear the name? You have a responsibility to serve. First Peter tells us Peter sent the same thing out to the church as he agreed in First Peter 4. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Then everything you do will bring glory to God. In the book of Galatians, Paul wrote to that church, giving them some instructions. He said, so you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. What's the base of our sinful nature? Selfishness. What keeps us from serving? Selfishness. I have something that's more important to do. I have something that I wanna do more than serve. I have something, let's say, that he says, don't let that happen. Use your freedom to, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. In Luke 9, Jesus was talking to some people and the people that were wanting to follow him and he tells them this. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross at least once a year and follow me. Oh no, that's not what it said. He said, take up your cross, when? Daily. Daily, he said, you wanna be my follower? I need you to do it daily, not once a month, not every couple weeks, not every quarter. I need you to serve me daily and understand that. So, so how's that gonna happen? Well, first, or why doesn't that happen? Well, let me tell you the, the reason it doesn't happen, and I need to apologize to you. It's because of pastors. It's because of staff. We love you so much, and we want people so connected to Jesus and so connected to the church that we expand the plate for you. We're like the parent of the little kid who can't get it across, and we go, oh, that's okay. We'll just widen the plate. Because we tell you what the Bible says, but you go, you know, but I, I, it's different. It's a different culture and parents are so busy and we've got so much to do. And, and we go, can I just kind of do once a month? And we go, oh, that would be a great help. When inside we're going, do you realize that's not serving? That's not what God meant. That's not the attitude. Serving is a daily mentality that we have. And yes, sometimes the area we serve in maybe only meets once a month, but we don't just pick and choose like that. So I apologize 
We have made it way too easy. We love talking to you about grace and heaven and forgiveness of sins. And we need to tell you before you ever say, I wanna be a Christian. Okay, let me tell you the expectations. Let me tell you what God wants from people that wear his name. So here's some things we need to know, okay? If you're taking notes, nothing yet's been noteworthy, but if you're taking notes, here you go. Number one, serving's not optional. We just went through that, okay? Scripture says it. You don't get to say, well, I wanna, I wanna be a Christian, but I don't wanna serve. No such thing. It's not an option. Number two, we need to know that our excuses are just that. They're just excuses. At some point, when all the reasons we give for not serving, we need to understand it's just an excuse. If we say, well, you know, families are a lot busier now than they used to be, that's a lie. They're not. You're as busy as you wanna be. You've got more ease in technology than parents and any ever generation has ever had before. You just fill your calendar too full. You just do too much. And so it's just an excuse. Or some of us on the other end say, well, I did my part. No, you didn't, not till you die. You're not done serving. There's something you can do. Our excuses are just that. Third thing we need to know is our walk with God gets stronger when we serve. Do you realize that? That one of the healthiest things you can do spiritually is to be involved in a ministry and serve? It's one of the things that keeps you more connected to God. Two things, when people come to me and they say, hey, I just really, I really feel the need to, to strengthen my spiritual walk with God and I have a passion for that. Can you give me something to do? And I know they're looking for some magic devotion or something. I go, yeah, join a ministry and give more. Those are the two things that will strengthen your walk. When you give more, you trust God and say, I trust you and I believe what you've said about possessions. And when you get in a ministry and start serving, your heart becomes more God's than it is yours. And we grow in our walk with God when we serve. Number four, God will use our service as a path to greater opportunities. I love this one. Some of you are where you are because you served at some point. This is in the Bible again and again. Two great examples. We've heard of Nehemiah. We know that he's the guy that rebuilt the walls in Jerusalem. What was he before he rebuilt the walls in Jerusalem? Some of you know. Take a guess. Servant would work. <laughs> yeah, he was cupbearer to the king. He was a servant to the king, and when he got word about Jerusalem, because of his service, he had the, uh, the permits, he had the resources, he had everything he needed to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. Would that have happened if he wasn't servant to the king? No. But because he served, he was in a position then to do something great for God. David came on the scene by doing what? Killing Goliath. You know, that's the big story. We know David. We first hear about him because he kills the giant and then he becomes a general and then everybody in the nation knows about him. He eventually becomes king. You know what he was doing before he found out about Goliath? Aaron boy, servant, taking food to his brothers for his dad. If he hadn't been willing to do that, he never would have known about Goliath. It never would have happened. The same thing's true for us. God has some place that he wants to get us and some of us will never get there because we're not willing to serve. And yet when we serve, it opens the door to get us someplace to a greater opportunity. Number five, what we need to know about serving is a greater understanding of the term. Matt used the scripture earlier where it uses servant and slave in the same verses. We don't like the word slave in our culture because it's got a lot of evil and a lot of bad things happen because of that, but that wasn't the connotation in the Bible. We use the word volunteer all the time and we'll still use it, but it's not the same thing. When I say volunteer, in my heart and head, I kind of feel like I'm doing somebody a favor. 
You know, hey, if you need me to volunteer, yeah, sign me up, I'll help. That's kind of, you know, I'm, it's just how I am. I'll do something for you. But when I understand slavery, three things about slavery. Number one, slaves obey their masters. It's not negotiable. If I'm a slave to God, if I'm a servant of God, I don't go, when God says, hey, I want you to do this, or the Bible says, hey, do this, I don't go, ah, maybe I better think about that. That's not how servants operate. They obey their masters. The second thing about them, servants are owned by someone else. Ooh, that doesn't set well, does it? That we're owned by somebody else. When we become a Christian, I'm no longer a slave to sin. No, but who saved me? The one that now owns me. We say, oh, God owns me, and we like the, the churchy verbiage of that, but when the reality hits that God owns me, not me, we struggle with that sometimes. Because we live in a culture where we're free and we pull ourselves up and we make our own way and it's hard to understand that concept. The third thing about being a, sl a slave or a servant is we're just not free to do what we want. There's no freedom in spirituality. We are either a slave to Satan or we're a slave to God. We're free from our sin, but when we become connected to Jesus, we give up the slavery we are to sin, but we are saying now we have a good master. Now we have somebody who's gonna give us life abundant, the best possible life, and we need to enter that with the, with the idea that now I'm a servant to God, and there's no better life that I can live. Here's what happens when we begin to live that way. One, we have greater balance in our life. When we begin to serve, our life becomes balanced. Because we're selfish. And if every time somebody says, hey, we need some help, we're like, oh, man, I, you know, we want to do this, and we want to do this, and my weekends are mine, and I'm like, there's 720 hours a month, and you want me to give God one of them? Come on, man. You know, it's just, you're asking too much. You know, and it's just like, so we, but our balance, our life becomes balanced when we begin to say, in our routine, in our daily routine, in our weekly routine, there's service that gives our life balance and our schedule more balance. Second thing that does, it gives us greater influence. I would encourage you parents, there's nothing, there's not a legacy you can leave more for your kids important than serving in the church. There's nothing that you want your kids to say more about you than like, man, they were at church all the time. They served the church. They really did believe what they said they believed. And man, they showed it by being there. Anytime something was needed, my parents, you know, it's like the old joke, they had a drug problem. I got drugged to church every time the doors were open, you know? It's like, we all had that because, but what a legacy, what a legacy. Say, do your parents, you know, so it, it's sad if your kids start talking about you or our grandkids start talking about us and they list 15 things and then finally say, oh yeah, and then the church. When we serve, it gives us, credibility and influence. You don't think so? Ask Grandma Jean. I don't know if she's here today, but Grandma Jean in the nursery and children's ministry, it's probably where she is. Everybody that's been in the nursery the last 10 or 15 years knows Grandma Jean because every kid comes into the nursery because of her. And she's cared for our kids. And we have other children's workers the same way. They're there every week. And it gives consistency and it gives influence because of serving. The third thing, when we become servants, it gives us opportunities to see miracles. In John, the second chapter, Jesus uh, is at a wedding. It's his first event. He's got six of his disciples with him, the first six. And his mom comes and he says, you know, they're out of wine, fix it. And so he, he goes and, and, well, let me just read it. 
It says, Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. And when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone's had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you kept the best until now. He didn't know. Who knew that Jesus turned water to wine? The servants. They're the only ones that knew that. When we serve, we get to see God work in people's lives. When we serve and we're serving other people, we get to see the influence and the impact that God has that you only get to see when you're serving. Those that have served on mission trips, those that serve weekly in children's ministry and student ministry and guests, whatever the ministries. There's 25, by the way, on the bulletin this morning if you're going on. Well, I wonder what my choices are. There's 25 of them. You get to see the difference. We've got, we've got guest people that have been on the same door for the last four or five years. They know every one of you that come through their door. And they've seen the difference of what God has done in your life because you've shared the stories. That's what happens when we begin to serve. There's a difference. The third thing, or the things we need to do to make that happen, um, is we need to ask the right questions. So how do we get there? How do we get to where we have a, a church that we all serve? Well, one is just to ask the right questions. What needs to be done? What do I need to do? What needs to change in my life? What, what mentality, uh, way of thinking do I change my perspective? Do I need to stop thinking, oh, do the least I can to get them off my back? <laughs> you know, or do I say, well, do I need to quit thinking I'm too old? Do I need to quit thinking, well, I did my part? What needs to change? Ask the right questions. God, where do you wanna use me? Occasionally on a Sunday, someone will come up, and I love it when you all do this and introduce your friends to me. Or occasionally, I'll, a new couple will come up and find me, and they go, they let me know they're church shopping. And, you know, I'm just not spiritual enough to have a good attitude about that. And, and so they'll come up and I'll say, yes, we're shopping for a new church, and my mind goes the wrong place, and I have so many things I wanna say that I don't. But typically, I just try to encourage them of like, listen, let me, let me encourage you what to pray. God, take me where I can serve. You know, don't worry about the menu. Stop looking for a church that you like or that fits everything you want. Pray, God, take us to a church where we can serve because then that'll be your church when you can step in and start using the gifts God's giving you. The second thing we do is remember who owns us. We just finished up that series on prayer. When I get up every morning and say, your kingdom come, your will be done, I reminded of who God is and who I am. I'm a servant. And God, use me today in some way to serve. Just a reminder of who we are. And the third thing is just make it a lifestyle, not a calendar. Uh, again, I joke about volunteering and, and I know some ministries only want, meet once a month, but come on, once a month? You know, we're getting ready to start two services. Some of you, you're gonna be here at church every, anyway. If you're gonna be here to worship, why not be here and serve? You're gonna be here, you know? And it's Sunday, how much easier does it get? How far have we dumbed down serving that you can do it all in one day? You don't even have to do anything the next six days. Serving. Let's change our mentality about that. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable about a landowner who called his servants in. And he gave them some money and he said, I'm going away and I'm gonna come back. Here's what you do while I'm gone. Here's the guidelines. Here's the plate. He comes back, calls them in. Some of them go, did just what you wanted. What was his response to them? 
Well done, good and faithful servant. The one who didn't, what'd he do? Cast him out into darkness. We are called to serve. We should all wanna live for those words from Jesus someday that says, well done, good and faithful servant. Let me pray. God, I thank you for your word. God, forgive us when we ignore it or we change it. Forgive us when we take what you've clearly said you've called us to and we make excuses. God, thank you for the blessing of serving. Thank you for the joy. Thank you for the, uh, the opportunities to, to more things and the, the miracles that we see when we serve. God, just thank you that you give us this privilege and opportunity to serve you. God, it's our heart that everybody at FCC will realize that they're part of the body and step up and do their part. What a healthy body would look like. What a healthy church this would be. Thank you for your grace and your patience. Prompt us, guide us by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.